Well, happy Father's Day, as they say. Guess where we are this morning? Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. <laughs> uh, told you we'd be here a while, just on this verse, and I'm excited about this morning. We'll get to share a couple of testimonies. A few weeks ago, we were fortunate to be a part of a baptismal service, and uh, a couple of our ladies came up towards the end of that and were baptized, and uh, Pastor Dan's going to come and share those testimonies this morning, so excited about that. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And he had provided, and after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Again, we could go another few weeks, but this may be the last of this version of this. But one of the things I want to remind you before we get into more of the, 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 the t- topic here is that over the last few weeks, if you've been in and out of town and you maybe missed one here and there, hadn't caught up online, uh, to remind you is that Jesus is not merely from God. Jesus is God. Jesus did not come into being. He just was. He just was. I know that's hard for our minds to, to wrap around that, but he just was. And why does that even matter? You go, of course, Kurt, but why that matters to us is it's why we preach the theology that we preach here from a Wesleyan bent is this radical optimism. There's almost no ceiling on what God can do in a person's life that totally commits themselves to him. Almost no ceiling. Because it's a salvation that runs more than hot or cold or makes us feel guilty most of the time or barely gets us to heaven or barely keeps us out of hell, but really truly takes us back to our primitive health, the reason why we existed in the first place, the reason why we were created. John 1, 3, through, all, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Colossians 1, 16, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Why Christianity is not just one religion amongst all the other religions in the world. We stake everything as Christians on this hill. That he is who he says he is. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He radiates, Scripture says, God's glory. He doesn't just reflect it. It's not just, hey, he came, and so he can, like a mirror, reflect something that's coming at him. No, he radiates. It's inside of him. It comes out of him because it is him. I think a very significant point that I was reminded of, and I'm not going to get too off topic here, but just reminded of why this is so important, even in the culture we live in sometimes when you get into these conversations, 
Sometimes people say, well, Jesus didn't speak on that. And they're talking about the New Testament and the recordings. Well, Jesus didn't talk about that. It could be a varied things, whether it could be from a, a lifestyle choice that sometimes that comes up in conversation or things of that nature. People say that. Well, that's assuming that Jesus only showed up in the New Testament. And everything in the Old Testament, he didn't have any knowledge of. I don't want to make a greater point. All I'm saying is it's really important when we look at Scripture that Jesus was there in the beginning. Jesus is there in the middle. Jesus is there now. Jesus will be there in the end. So it does matter when we look at these things and where Jesus was and who he is. Now, how you work through that, you've got to work through that. But my point is this, though. It's really important that we understand he's always been there. And what was written before the New Testament is not a shock to him. That's all I'm saying. I think it's really important that that we understand that. And you can work through that however you want to work through that, but it's really important that we believe in the triune God, the Trinity, who spins, and I appreciate you, Brandon, saying he spins the galaxies And by his word, the scripture says, the universe is held up by his word. But he also knows the sorrows and joys that you walked in here with today. By his word, the universe spins. On time, by the way. but he's close enough to know what you carried in here today. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which you must be saved. So why does that matter in our radical optimism? Because if he was there when you were created, when the word tells us you're no longer old things are passed away, all things become new. Like in 2 Corinthians 9, said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. One of the things I wanted to just camp on for a few minutes, and I want to make sure not take too long because I want to be sure we have a chance to hear the testimonies this morning. Is in verse 3, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, son whom he appointed heir, H-E-I-R, heir of all things. First Peter 1, 3 through 5. Praise be the God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance, heirs, that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be filled in the last days. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, all heaven and earth has been given unto me. 
Anybody remember? Therefore, what? Go and make disciples. So you're heirs to this. You're, you have an inheritance of something. Well, what is this inheritance? Well, I think we could spend a lot of time talking about it today, but one of them, Hebrews 1.14, I don't have it up there, and one of them is, is your salvation. This inheritance, you're an heir to this, but you're inheriting this. And what I love about the fact that Jesus, if he owns it all, the word says, he doesn't take that inheritance and lord it over you. He asks you to come alongside him, to join him in this inheritance. Like your family or something. Romans 8, 17 says, now if we are children, then we are what? Heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Well, you mean all the things that he got, we're now in, 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 we can walk in lockstep with him in these things? The things he inherited, we are now inheriting also? If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may share in his glory. I had a conversation with someone this week, and they were talking about the fact that they were using the word and a lot, and one, somebody, he had said somebody was going to get a tattoo, just and on their arm, so people would ask them. And I thought it was interesting, and he, just, he said, just shared this point, and it's this, that we can be truly grateful and thankful of what God has done in our life, truly, and understand that life is hard. Somehow or another, we've tried to figure out how to have one or the other. But the reality is, it's both. That we are in his sufferings, and I know there's a lot more to that, but also we share in his glory, and we're thankful for that. But when it comes to inheritance, and it comes to Father's Day, you know, there's a, a part of me, as we were singing the blessing earlier, and you think about wanting from not only one generation or two generations, Scripture talks about three to third and fourth generations, the song talks about thousands of generations, but, but that blessing of an inheritance that lives past you. You've heard me say often here, you can really live more than one life and not be a cat. You really can. Because the way you live your life can live on in your children and in your grandchildren, if that's the case, in your friends or those you have influence on. So why we, we stress so much about influence here is that I can hand off to you years later after I'm long gone, my life is still living on because I poured it out into other people and things that are worth replicating. Now, sometimes those things that are poured out into other people are not worth replicating. So an inheritance on a Father's Day. No question that being a father, you, you don't even really understand what you're getting yourself into, obviously. And then you continue to have kids like we did, had four. You really don't understand what you're getting yourself into. 
Because I'm called a lot of things, right? I'm called pastor, I'm called, you know, brother, I'm called, I was called son, I was called, you know, of course called husband, called friend, I hope I'm called a lot of things, but there's something about being called a dad. And not everybody obviously can do that. Not, not even all men are, but, but especially, you know, half the world wouldn't be. But something about being called a dad, and, and I've got, there's different names. I don't know, remember all of them, but from, from my kids, I mean, it could be Pastor Dad. Allie calls me often. It can be Padre. I'm called that often. Pops, Daddy, Father, Father Figure. Okay, those kind of, but so you get called by a lot of different things. That responsibility of going, what am I handing off to them? What am I giving them? What are, what are, they, what are, what are they going to inherit from me? What are they heirs to? I have a say-so in that. I mean, there's a lot of things I don't have a say-so in. You can look at how I've done my finances over the year, and there may not be, I may not have done well enough, and, and you're, it's a lot of it's risk, a lot of it's different things, and you may not have much say-so. But what I do have say-so is, is how I act, and how I believe, and how I live it out. Now, I, do I hope that I can hand some finances off to my kids and, and heirlooms or whatever else down the road? Sure, I do. I hope I can. I hope there's something there at the end. But some of that is, all of it pretty much is pretty temporal. It's going to be gone. But to the third and fourth generation, I can hand off things now to my kids that live to the third and fourth and fifth generation. As heirs of this salvation. As we were singing the song, The Blessing, like you said, Brandon, pretty emotional. I'm, I think in this room, pretty emotional when you start thinking about it and it gets really focused on your family and things of that nature. One of the things I thought of was, I think that song came out, I don't know when it came out, but I know when we started singing it here was during COVID. And there were nine other people in the room besides me. So when I hear that song, I don't just hear that song. I see you people sitting in your homes across this valley. Not getting to worship with my own family for months on end. Allie being the only one in the room. Walking up here Sunday after Sunday, staring at a camera right there at the big old smiley face on the bottom of it. Not sure that I had heard from God. I'd never done that before. But I knew I was going to keep showing up. I was going to keep stepping on this stage and going, Lord, you got to show up because there's too much at stake here. There's too much at stake for us to wither back and walk in fear and move back. My kids can't see me backing up. One of the confidences I had that I could walk in here every week. Is he had all this under control. Didn't shock him, didn't surprise him. He knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. 
It wasn't like one day he goes, oh man, COVID. What do we do now? I'm going to preach to you about the prodigal and the older brother today. I'll do that another time. About rebellion from both of them. We can get very specific. You can read it if you want to over in Luke chapter 15. But then you come to the Father. The prodigal wanted his inheritance now. The elder was going to get a double portion of the inheritance, and it still wasn't enough. How many of you don't have any problem with grace for you, but you have it for other people? How the Father, how Father gives grace to you, and you're going, I'm so thankful, but how could you give it to them? See, rebellion in that story started in the Father's house. It had to do with the inheritance. But the father, understanding, as <laughs> all fathers have to navigate. You can have children who try to do everything right, and you have children who say, I'm running from you, and I ain't listening. Now, there wasn't a real good class you went to to figure out how to do both of those. But how do you live in the tension as a father when your kids are rebelling both ways and hold in tension this unconditional love but righteous living? And what I love about what in that story, and I'll shut up about it because I want to close with our testimonies, is the father in that story, reacts like, I wish I could, but I know I can't. So much about who he is, and the word tells us that he runs to his prodigal, the prodigal son, and he begs his elder son. He begs them. As, as Ezekiel talks about in Ezekiel 33, when God begs the, the Israelites, and we, you know, we, sometimes you hear God the Father, you think of these crazy things. Like in the New Testament, they call him Abba Father, which is very intimate, which the people who were hearing that at the time would go, hey, dude, he ain't, he ain't, he ain't intimate, man. He's going to strike you down dead. Because all the people had been listening to the, and you're reading in the Old Testament, if you read it, you go, man, he's, he's, you don't want to mess with him. But then the New Testament comes along, even Jesus praying in the Lord's Prayer, Abba, Father, this intimate, knowing him, him knowing you. But living in this tension of loving and continuing to live who you're supposed to be, the father and the prodigal son and the older brother. He wants both of them to have the inheritance. He wants both of them to live this out. 
And as I was trying to decide this morning how to transition to our testimonies, just remind me of a of an inheritance of a father, a tangible one, a real one that I saw years ago. That I just believe that's how God wants us to live and with joy inside of what he wants us to inherit, this, being heirs of this. He wants to see us in joy. He doesn't want to see, yeah, we have sufferings and it is and. We're grateful and there are great things and life's hard. They're both. But one of my favorite illustrations of this is Brother Paul Holderfield Sr. Those who know him and I speak of him often, friend of mine from North Little Rock, Arkansas, Friendly Chapel Church of Nazarene in the early 90s, mid-90s. He made a decision, and I'm not saying I'm ever going to do this, so kids, if you're in the room or hearing this, don't get any ideas, okay? But he and Sister Barbara decided they wanted to give their kids, there was, first off, those who've been to Arkansas with us at Friendly Chapel, there's an apartment that is upstairs where people used to live that was in transition coming off the street, upstairs in the gymnasium. Those who've been there with us know that that's there. They made a decision in their early 60s that they were going to move into their house. They had a house in the neighborhood that they wanted to move into the apartment and give all their kids, their three kids, sell their house and give all three of their kids all their inheritance now. They said, because what good is that? I'm not going to get much joy after I'm dead watching them spend their inheritance. I want to do it now. And I thought, you know, I think God, the joy he has in seeing us, he wants us to have it now. When he comes in John 10, 10, that you may have life and have it to the full, it's not just in heaven, it's now. This inheritance, he wants it now. He wants us to live into our inheritance now so he can see and be in joy. I, I think it gives him great joy to see us living into the fullness of what he's given us, of what we're heirs to. He owns it all. But one of the greatest things that I, I think and one of the most powerful things is when we get a chance to hear the testimony of those who, who have accepted this great salvation, this, and I stepped in as a child of God. And so I'm going to ask Pastor Dana, I'm actually going to ask the band to come up and Pastor Dana to come, and she's going to read. I don't know if both of them are here, but Henza uh, and Ashley's testimony, those who were here that Sunday, we just believe it's important for it to be read. And part of it is, I don't know where that microphone is. Let me grab the front. Yeah. Is that I think it's powerful. And Scripture is very clear in Revelation about how powerful our testimony is. And I often share with the, those who are getting baptized before on Sunday mornings is that you don't realize today, you're here today, obviously, to, to follow Christ and Christian baptism, to be a part of, of being you know, buried and raised from the dead and the symbolism and all that goes with that, and we talked briefly about that. 
I said, but you, what you don't realize today is, is that the power of your testimony going forward. And then that Sunday, just a few Sundays ago, I think the two that were shared helped others have the confidence and the faith. And so we just want to give that to you today as we close this part of it out. And we're going to sing to close out the service. I'm going to ask Pastor Dave if she wants to come up. Whichever one. Come on up here.